Welcome to the Investor Lab. My name is Goose and you are obviously listening to the Investor Lab, the auditory epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice and abundance. And on today's episode, we're going to be taking a slightly different tangent. You see, one of the things that I think rings true for everyone, no matter where they are on their wealth journey, whether they're an entrepreneur or an investor, is that sometimes the greatest transformations and the greatest impacts can come from our deepest struggles and also our wildest histories. And I'm a testament to that. So joining me today is an entrepreneur with a very interesting story. And it's a story of transformation and one that I believe is going to have a strong and profound impact on you, no matter what your journey is. Now, I'd just like to introduce our guest for today, Andrew Sparks. Thank you for joining me. Goose, what's up? Great to be here. Mate, it's a pleasure to have you on board. Now, some of the people listening to this podcast might be mum and dad investors looking to create a more secure and happy future for themselves and their family, or they could actually be young people, you know, in their early 20s, just wanting to try and find a way to break free and create a better life. There's a really broad spectrum here, and we get really great feedback from the listeners about the kind of things that inspire them. So I really wanted to try and share some of your story. Now, for the people listening to this, Andrew and I are part of a business mastermind together, which is how we connected. And he shared with me, actually we caught up for breakfast, and he shared with me a little bit of his backstory, and I thought it was quite profound. So Andrew, or Sparks, why don't you tell us a little bit about, well, who you are and what you do and how you help people. And then we'll get into the backstory in a minute, but just give people a bit of a framework about what you do. Great. So essentially, I run a company called FitGrow and we work with people in the fitness industry to help them build their businesses. So often, if you think about a personal trainer um, or an online coach or something like that, someone who's great at getting somebody results, they know how to help them drop body fat, you know, build some strength, recover from injuries, but they've got no idea how to run a business. Essentially, you know, me and my team, we come in and we help people, you know, with systems, processes, sales, marketing, um, all the, you know, customer retention, leadership, everything that's involved in building companies. We've got companies doing, you know, their first $10,000 ever with us. We've got companies doing seven figures plus and everything in between. So it's awesome to be able to impact and help people. And how long have you been running FitGrow? In one form or another, the company's been around since 2011. So we really niched back in about 2013, 2014 in the fitness industry. I'd had a lot of success with people in the fitness industry before that. So really since then, and, and what is it now? It's 2020. And back in late 2017, I moved the company from Australia. I was in you know Sydney, Bondi Beach, not dissimilar than yourself. And um, now we're in Seattle, Washington in the US and been over here a couple of years and it's been awesome. Really good move. Nice. And what actually prompted that move? Why did you decide to move from, I mean, like, mate, I, I get to go to Bondi Beach every day and some of my friends encouraged me to take holidays. And I was like, why would I want to go anywhere else? And what prompted <laughs> the move to Seattle? Seattle wasn't the first stop, but the move to the US really was just to play a bigger game. I guess we'll talk about my backstory in a little bit, but, but really like I knew that there was more out there. I felt that me on a personal level, I tried to really find some great networks and I just want to be my best. And when I think about creating opportunity and having a much larger opportunity, I mean, the size of California here in the US is larger than the population of Australia in its entirety. And for me and for my wife to kind of really step things up and take them to the next level really comes back to like being in a place where there's a lot more opportunity and um, a lot more abundance. And I guess that's, you know, why we're here to talk about as well. 
Absolutely, absolutely. You touched on a good point there. Abundance and seeking, seeking the environment that's going to allow you to create that. So, okay, so you started FitGrow in, in its kind of first iteration in 2011, but what were the series of events that led to that? Because as I understand it, you weren't always um, an inspired fitness professional helping others to achieve uh, freedom in their li- own lives. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so what was I? Dropped out of school at 15, went into construction. So I was a plumber. And then by the time I was 20, you know, I went to TAFE and, and did the regular thing. And then by the time I was 20, I had my own plumbing business. At 21, I think I went overseas, um, was just going overseas for 12 months. And, you know, I was just doing the thing, go to the UK. And we first off was Mexico and spent a fair bit of time in Europe, bit of time in Canada, like a lot of Aussies do. That 12-month trip ended up being 10 years. So I spent the first three years, you know, with a bunch of travel, but predominantly living in the UK. And then seven years after that, I spent living in Canada. And, um, you know, when I was living in Canada, kind of really got caught on the wrong side of the tracks and involved pretty deep in the underworld. Um, Had a black market business running with, you know, dealing drugs and just living as the scum of society, I guess. And I'd really just fallen into that. You know, I got brought up in a, you know, decent household and wasn't necessarily a bad kid, but just the environment that I ended up with was that environment. And I guess after seven years of that, I realized, hang on a minute, this is not the person that you were born to be. You know, lots of drugs, lots of alcohol, lots of fighting, lots of all the shit that goes with the underworld and everything that you just think about, you know, your favorite gangster movie and that was pretty much my life and, and what I did. And I really kind of sought psychology to get my own shit sorted. Um, this is about 2008, I think I kind of got to that point in my life. From that point, uh, you know, I tried a bunch of shit probably for two or three years. And from that point, I kind of really applied it to myself once I learned the stuff that worked. And I was like, man, I've got to teach this stuff to other people. And that's really how I got into the coaching space. Interesting. Okay, so you started your own business at 20. How did that go? So I was a plumber, right? So they, you go to TAFE and what do they tell you at TAFE? They teach you how to dig holes and bend pipes and clean toilets and, you know, change the guttering on houses and all the rest of the stuff that goes with it. No one ever teaches you how to run a business. I think there was one module maybe in like advanced, whatever it was of, of being a plumber. Basically, they teach you the books, right? They teach you like, mm-hmm. this is how you, you know, do the books. And I don't know. I mean, that was... That was a few years ago now, but, um, and I'm being kind by saying a few years ago, no one teaches you how to run a business. Like they, they teach you the tactical things on how to be great. Um, they just don't, don't tell you how to actually run a business and scale a business. So getting clients was, you know, it was hard. You'd get them from people that you knew and no marketing, no real sales strategy. It was just, you kind of fall on your feet and, and find a way to pay the bills. Pretty much job to job and just sort of finding your way through, right? With no real plan or real strategy. Yeah. Completely ebbs and flows, you know, everyone's standing around at the hardware store saying there's no work. And then three weeks later, everyone's standing there saying it's so freaking busy. And it was just this cycle of no one was marketing. No one was really selling properly. Everyone, you know, had the yellow pages and had a, an ad in there and waited for people to call. Crikey, that sounds terrifying to be quite honest. Okay. And so you went traveling for 10 years, you spent three years in the UK and then seven years in Canada and it was Canada where you started your next entrepreneurial enterprise, which was in, in the black market basically, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. So what I'm actually interested to explore is, is I don't want to get you in trouble, right? But I, I'm interested to know no, the, de- the depth and width of what that kind of meant in, in terms of, you know, what you were actually up to and, and to help illustrate that for other people as well. But yeah. also I am really interested to know 
actually what was the real kind of draw to that? Like what, you know, you grew up, you became a plumber, you actually tested out running your own business. You've done all this kind of stuff. What was the attraction of that lifestyle? And how do you relate that actually to your entrepreneurial journey? From an overall perspective, I mean, things start, started out pretty small. I was working security at a pub. Um, so I was in front of my target market, essentially, you know, where there's, where there's people drinking, there's, there's bound to be someone that's doing some drugs. And I happened to be, a, you know, working the best door at the best club in town. And I was a 23-year-old Aussie kid, you know, in a different country. So, you know, I was kind of popular amongst guys and girls both. And so really, I, you have the first part of marketing, which is to get attention. And I had that attention of the right people. So from there, I mean, over the next probably five or six years, I've moved from doing, you know, very small deals in pubs into at the, the height of it, moving a couple of kilos of Coke uh, every week. and a couple of pounds of weed and a bit of other stuff as well. Cocaine really was, was the main drug of choice. And I mean, I wasn't doing all the profits, but let's not pretend my nose was untouched either. But quite honestly, I did build a, a decent business from it. And it wasn't until, you know, a couple of years ago that I, I really kind of dived in and I was like, what did I actually used to do in that business? And I honestly like applied the fundamentals, the fundamentals of business. What did I do to get attention? What did I do to generate leads, convert customers and so forth? And then I applied that to my, you know, my online coaching business that I have now at FitGrow. I applied the fundamentals in a legitimate way and dude, business blew up and it, it, yeah, it was pretty crazy. That's very interesting. And we'll explore that a little bit more about how you, how you translated those skills into business and, and also then how you're actually using it to help people now. I'm interested though, you were doing it for seven years. What was the thing that kept you there? A lot of people don't, a lot of people don't keep a job for seven years. Yeah, I think um, if you understand human needs and, and human needs psychology, you know, Tony Robbins was probably the first mentor that intervened in my life in a, uh, in a way of me, you know, being awake at four o'clock in the morning and seeing an infomercial from him and, you know, buying his first program, uh, what's called Personal Power 2, I think. That was kind of the first contact that I'd had to do with anything personal development. And Tony talks a lot about human needs, but basically, you know, there's six human needs. And Tony says, if you meet, you know, two or three human needs, you can become addicted to whatever that thing is. So if we think about it in sport, for example, or in fitness, if you feel certainty, like one of the human needs, certainty, another one, uncertainty or variety is another way to say that, you know, significance, do you feel important? If you think about it from that level, being a drug dealer per se, do you feel significant as a drug dealer? Absolutely. I mean, I was feared, I was revered. You know, people knew who I was. I had my spot. If you screwed around in my zone, then you were going to know about it. So do you feel significant? Absolutely. Is there certainty in it? Absolutely. Is there uncertainty and variety in it? Of course there is. So there's just three of the, the six human needs that were kind of met. Really, I didn't start out to think I'm going to build this big business. I started out by, you know, just going in into the pub one night. One of the bartenders was, was like, one of you doormen, one of you security guys should be selling some gear. And I was like, all right, I can do that. And it, it kind of just flowed on from there. And, and it wasn't, um, you know, yeah, I had people working for me over time and, and stuff like that. But it wasn't like I had this clear plan. It was just my human needs were being met by what I was doing. And I felt good, at least on the surface, I felt good about what I was doing. and you know, I was meeting those needs. So when you do that, you know, be it fitness or business or property or any other sort of investing or dealing drugs or like, 
you know, being in a relationship, when things meet your human needs, you can really become ad- addicted to them. Yeah, interesting. Uh, interesting choice of words, addiction. I'm someone who personally identifies as an addict, you know, thankfully very sober. But I'm interested in the way that you phrase that. So the six human needs, and if you can meet, say, three or more, then you can become addicted to something. First question, do you identify as someone who has an addictive personality? Yes, to an addictive personality, but I don't sit around and say, hi, I'm, I'm, an, I'm Andrew and I'm an alcoholic. Like I was doing a lot of drugs. I was drinking a couple of bottles of vodka a night. In society terms, I was an addict, but I stopped drinking for probably about three years. The thing was, I just didn't have an off switch. It was one or it was a hundred. And over those three years, once I really learned how to understand me and my mind and psychology, I gradually kind of went back and I'd have a beer and, you know, I could go and have like, I rarely drink, like I might drink, you know, once every three months and it would be like one night. Like, it's just not something that is in my life now, but I, I definitely don't say that I'm an addict. Like, you know, I don't desire drugs or cocaine or anything like that at all. I don't crave for a drink like I used to. I'm just a completely reinvented version of myself. And I think quite honestly, the attachment to that name just keeps people stuck. You know, I had people that when I was doing drugs or drinking, uh, this might conflict with, you know, with kind of some of your beliefs as well. But like when I was doing drugs and drinking and trying to get off, people were like, hey, I'm going to AA. There was a couple of people in the group. And I'm like, I don't want to sit around with other people saying, you know, this is who I am because then I identify with that. I just yeah. want to stop the behavior and be a different person. And I was able to do that. And like I said, you know, I could go and have six drinks tonight if I wanted and stop at number six. I just choose really not to drink that much. No, I think it's an interesting point that um, sometimes self-labeling is in the same way that people can call themselves an idiot or have negative self-talk, you know, that self-labeling. And if you immerse yourself in that, you can create unnecessary connotations around your identity and who you are in life. My story is actually fairly similar to yours in a lot, in a lot of ways. And I was in that same position. It was, it was zero or a hundred or a hundred thousand. It's just like no middle ground. So whilst I don't sit around, you know, scratching the walls thinking about having a beer at all it's just not a it's just like you you know like no longer a part of who i am there was no emphasis for that for me i also know that you know there are limitations for me personally i probably wouldn't go and have a couple of beers you know so yeah. i think it's all about the individual but i think it's a good point though that um that self-talk and self-identification whilst it can be healthy to take stock of who you are where you're at know and take ownership but it can also sometimes be negative so very interesting stuff so Aside from watching that Tony Robbins uh, infomercial, what was the big pivot point where you went, okay, I'm, not, I'm going to stop selling cocaine and I'm going to start helping fitness professionals? What was the turning point? How did that actually happen and what was the most significant change? I don't think you can isolate. You know, if I was standing on stage in front of 10,000 people right now, and potentially I am, right? But, you know, people say there was this one moment that changed. I mean, I'd had my life threatened. I'd been, you know, super unhappy for a long time. Like, I was deep in this world and... And it was just kind of part of what I did. I don't think there was one thing per se, but I got to a point where I was unhappy and I was like deeply unhappy. You know, like I would fucking ball my eyes out just throughout the day for like no reason and not really figure out why. And I think I went on antidepressants for a little bit because that was what the doctor prescribed. And honestly, I mean, that's not even really part of my story. It's like, that was a moment in time. I think the transition came from a lot of different changes. I've invested at least half a million dollars now into personal education and probably business education as well. I had coaches, you know, for years at a time in different areas of my life to help me progress and be better and be stronger and, you know, all that stuff. 
there's no one thing, you know, we're complex as human beings, you know, lots of little things can kind of tie into other things, but the pathway really was, I'd seen that infomercial. I'd picked up one of his books, a secondhand book, actually, that I think I've got around here somewhere for like $4 at some, you know, random secondhand bookstore. And, you know, I went to one of Tony's events in Florida, which was just a life changer. And I think I just saw a different world. Then I went down the pathway of, you know, like I'm masters in NLP, if people understand psychology and know what that is. I'm advanced diploma of hypnotherapy. Like I'm studied, like I'm, I'm learned. I'm not just, you know, a coach who's, you know, overcome some stuff. Like basically I'm a trained therapist and a trained coach. And that was a lot of the big turning point where I was like, okay, cool. Now I've got some skills for myself and I could see my own life change. And, and I was starting to change and develop. And I'd taken all that energy that used to go into drugs and alcohol and put it into triathlon. I spent three or four years pretty competitively training and racing, you know, in triathlon while I was in Australia and, and a bit of time in Canada as well. So there's not really one thing per se, but to cut a long story short, you know, I went and got trained and educated. I found some things that kind of worked for me and I started working with some entrepreneurs and some people in sport to get them better results. I wasn't teaching business strategy, quote unquote, at that stage. I was more just teaching performance, better performance, kind of life coaching and performance coaching. And then over time, started working with some entrepreneurs, you know, a bunch of those people were in the fitness industry, developed a name within the fitness industry. People started coming to me and, and I guess the rest is history. Nice. That's good because what I'm interested to know, like obviously you've had a full journey and, and from what I picked up on everything you said, there are many facets to creating a holistic and balanced life, including health, mindset, finance, career, intellect, family, social, all of these kind of things, right? So, and kind of aligning all of those to get yourself back in balance. Now, one question I've got for you though, is obviously you work with people at different stages of their own journey. As you said, some people yeah. who are just starting out making their first 10 grand and other people doing seven figures. What similarities do you see between your journey and other people's journey and how, and how you're able to use that to help accelerate people's growth? You know, what am I, 40 years old now? You know, when you're 20 and 21 and you think you'd know everything and, and then, you know, you turn 30 and you think you know everything and, you know, now I'm 40 and I realize I don't know anything. But what I do know is I know a lot more than kids that are 20 or even 30. And quite honestly, because of the life experience that I've had, I'm just so adaptable because I've been in more situations than 99% of people. It's funny, there was this like thing on Facebook a couple of years ago where it was like 20 things on this image and it was like rate yourself for like all the things that you've done in your life. And like some of them were good and some of them were bad. And like my score, like people were like commenting with their score and my score was like 98 or something and everyone else's score was like 19. And I'm like, holy shit, like, and you know, most of those things are kind of bad and, you know, life experience, but I really just think like, it made me realize, like I've traveled to, you know, 50 or 60 countries. I couldn't even, you know, count probably I'd have to go back through photos and memories and stuff like that, but I've lived. And I think that most people don't live like most people, they, you know, they grow up and they might get travel for a little bit and stuff like that. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm better than anyone else. I'm just saying I've been in a lot of experiences in a lot of different cultures you know, I've done a lot of different things in my life and my ability to be adaptable. You know, one of the things that my clients say to me is like, you're a chameleon, like you can step in and I can coach someone, I can coach an alpha male and get the best out of him and do it in a completely different way than what I would. You know, one of my clients I'm thinking about in Melbourne right now, you know, she's probably 45, you know, middle-aged woman, you know, she's got a couple of kids and she will not respond to the way that an alpha male would um, to get the best out of them. 
and I can traverse both different areas. And I think had I not been through all those experiences, had the highs and had the lows in my life, just that, I mean, on a personal connection level, that stands the test of time. And then there's obviously, you know, the business sides of things as well as being adaptable in that area too. Do you think your journey has developed a high degree of empathy? Yes and no. I would say in some areas I'm extremely empathetic and in some other areas I'm not at all. I'm just like, just get it together. Like it's time to move on. And I guess that really just comes back to what people need because, you know, sometimes someone needs a baseball bat and a kick in the head. It's like, get your life together. This is what you said you wanted. Just go and do it. If you talk to somebody that's got a victim mentality and you empathize with them, like that's just going to keep them stuck because that's what they want. They want the attention and they, you know, they learn that I learn to get attention. The way that I get attention is through empathy. Well, it's my job as a trained coach to be able to slap them over the side of the head and say, Hey, get it together. Let's focus on like going in this direction. And then of course, you know, there's other areas. I think it really comes back to what the person needs. Do I have empathy? Absolutely. Do I think it's beneficial in all situations? Hell no, not at all. I would almost challenge that um, strong empathy will actually dictate that, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean sitting there and saying, oh yeah, I'm, I'm here just to listen to you. It's to actually give people the slap off the head that they need. I think that that's true empathy myself. But Yeah, and I mean, that could be a better way of saying what I just said. So like, you know, when you say that, I'm like, okay, that's a really good way to put that. When I met my wife, what about eight, eight years ago or something like that, She's like, man, why are you so black and white? And I was like, everything, it was on or off. And the reason is because I had to give up drugs and alcohol. Like there had to be a, like it's on or off because that's the person that I was. And over time that softened a little bit and, and maybe changed some things. But I think I can give people what they need and maybe that's your definition. Yeah, interesting. Okay, cool. So you've now grown a successful business in the business consulting coaching space, specifically niched in helping fitness professionals, gym owners, all of that kind of stuff. And you've got clients all over the world or just in the States and Australia? Australia, New Zealand, Canada, and the US. Okay, cool. So what I want to ask, I want to sort of pivot a little bit now, and I want to actually start talking about, I want to start talking about wealth. I want to understand a little bit about what you're doing. Like you're obviously focused on business. Are you looking to diversify? What about the people that you work with, the people that you help grow? They've, they've probably typically got the same motivations, freedom, choice, and abundance, freedom, significance, transformation. They want to create a business because they want to have impact. They want to create a better life for themselves and for others and all of that kind of stuff. And this really all comes back down to like, okay, well, what are you going to do with it? It's all well and good to have $10,000, but what are you going to do with that? I'd yeah. love to know what your wealth journey looks like now and also how you're helping other people with their wealth journey and what impact you see there. Yeah, so I think it's, it's important to stay in your lane for the most part and, and know what you know and what you don't know. From my perspective, you know, obviously we've had some conversations about doing some investing and because I'm not living in the country, that's not possible based on a few things. But, you know, I mean, we're a million dollar company and, and growing. So a lot of the resources continue to go back into the company so that we can build out the team and, and build an asset that doesn't require Andrew Sparks 24-7. And I'm actually hiring, you know, hiring for a COO at the moment, somebody that can come in. But once I can get that machine up and, and humming and running and, and throwing off profit, then of course, you know, really just comes back to where can I invest and, and what's going to get the best return on investment. Because yeah, I mean, for me, that's what it's all about and, and creating a life of freedom, creating a portfolio for me that doesn't require 
you know, my manual work or, you know, one of my team's manual work and asset protection, like having protection as well, you know, wherever the economy is right now, what's going to be like in 10 years time, we have no idea. So diversification is definitely something that's important. And then just making sure I'm bringing in the right people to help me get that set up in a way that's going to give me freedom in life as well. Absolutely. Can I ask, we actually haven't even really touched on this and I really actually want to know because it's the most important thing. You mentioned, yeah, cool. You want to invest, you want to get the best returns and all that kind of stuff. Why? What are you trying to achieve? Like what's your, what is your, what is your, what's the big, what's the, yeah, what does that mean? What does freedom mean to you? What's the big ticket where you're like, boom, got it. What are you aiming for? You know, when I was, you know, I had my black market business, I guess. I got it to the point where I had a lot of people working for me and, and the work became pretty easy. You know, I went from, you know, maybe 40 or 50 deals a day down to one or two deals a day and, you know, maybe three or four deals a day if I think about the people that were working for me. And I got myself to a position where I had a company and be it good or bad, I'm sure there's people that think it's terrible and I'm a terrible person, but at the same time, it was a company. Um, it was making money and it was doing well. And it gave me a life to be able to basically do what I want when I want. And, you know, while I don't, you know, condone that behavior and, and think that it's the way that people should live, I've experienced that. And most people in life don't get to experience that. And for me, I, I just want to get back there. You know, I've, I've built a, you know, I'd say moderately successful company at the moment. And people would probably kind of challenge that, but you know, it's it's a great company. We've got a lot a lot to go, but I want to get back to that point where I don't have to worry. Um, I've got a daughter coming in May, so you know, a few months away, and and I think I want to be able to provide a life of freedom for them. I definitely don't want to create a, a lifestyle where my kids don't have to ever work, and you know, I want, I'll bring them up with the right values, but and hard work is one of those. But at the same time, I want to give them choices so that we have those choices. And I think for me at the moment, that's a massive driver. You know, if I can build a, a company and a machine that continues to produce profit, you know, be it in FitGrow, be it in helping fitness businesses, then that gives a lot of other choices um, to get into other assets and build a legacy really as well, like build generational wealth. So that's really the pathway that I'm on at the moment. Yeah, I resonate with that because a lot of the time uh, for people in business, it's very hard sometimes to build equity in a business. It's easy to build cash flow, money in, money out. And um, I know a couple of, quite a few of our clients. We've actually got some clients uh, in the fitness professional space as well and all of that kind of stuff. And that seems to be the resounding thing. It's like, okay, I can start a business or I can have a job. You know, the two things are not diametrically opposed. They're just different uh, methodologies to receive recompense for your time. But the reality is it's cash flow based most of the time. It, it, you know, it takes... The good thing about business, if you invest in business, if you get it right and you can do it well, you can build both equity and cash flow and the multiples are tremendous. Okay, so there's a huge amount of upside. There's also a lot more risk. So have you thought about shares? Have you got shares? Uh, is it real estate or shares or business? There's kind of three key pillars to wealth, real estate, shares and business itself. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on which way you're going to go and why? You know, have I thought about shares? Yes. Have I done anything with it? No. You know, like I mentioned before, we, we looked at doing some property stuff and I've got a good amount of super or, you know, me and my wife combined, I've got a good amount of super there, but being out of the country, we can't touch it. So I guess at the moment, looking into strategies here in the US, I mean, properties in the US over here, you can get into a property for twenty or $30,000 and have a cash flow producing asset at that sort of um, money. You know, I guess in my head, if I can pull 
you know, 30, 40, 50 K plus of profit out of a company every month, you can literally go and buy a new property every single month. So for me, that's probably more of a focus than putting something into, you know, a shorter term, you know, take it, take, you know, take your 10% or your 20% or whatever, put it into shares. And it's almost like I'd rather focus my efforts. And, you know, once we get the COO in and get the company really rocking, that doesn't require 24 seven Andrew, then I can maybe take some of that energy take the profit, take the energy and put it into learning one asset class. And then from them, you know, who knows from there, like I'd have to understand a lot more about wealth. And I guess I'm just on the, on the early part of my journey to learn and understand it. So, you know, for me at the moment, does it make sense for me to go and learn shares knowing that, you know, in a couple of months time, I can probably go buy a property every month. Not right now. Um, I'd much rather focus, like I said, and I guess it really just comes back to goals. And for me, I just see that as an easy pathway. Nice. Well, mate, I, um, I'm mindful of time, okay? And I, there's a couple sure. of key things I want to take away because I want this to be beneficial not only for people listening to you in your industry and all that kind of stuff and people listening in, you know, in, in our audience spectrum as well. So there's a couple of things I want to touch on. Firstly, what are the most profound things you've learned spiritually, philosophically, or otherwise that you wouldn't have thought would have an impact on your journey but have? You're a very learned man, so I'm very interested to know what kind of deep thing? And then actually, let's just stick with that. And then I'll ask the other ones. Go for that. I think that one is, it's tied up in meditation and space. And I'm just a tradie from the Sutherland Shire in Sydney who grew up, a, a, you know, an average life, I guess. But I think, you know, being a tradie, being in construction, who knows? I mean, 20 years later, 25 years later than when I started, maybe that stuff does enter that world. But it was very blue collar, get in, work hard you know, all that stuff's crap. But I think just, you know, the more that I grow the company and the more space that I get, the more that I realize that that can really control you and control your focus and not control you in a negative way, but like get you to do the the stuff that you already want to do. So for me, that's probably the biggest one. And just space away from, you know, away from everything. My wife and I sometimes, I'm just looking out at a lake here, but like, we're right on the lake here. So we'll go down on the dock and sit on the dock and just take some time to think. And, you know, that's where the million dollar ideas, you know, happen for business. And those two things combined, you know, getting space and, you know, some focused meditation, that stuff's been really good. And I won't pretend I'm not perfect. I don't do it every single day, but I see the benefits in the people that, that do do it every single day. I'm just working hard every day to be a better person to get to that point. Nice. And, Given everything that you know and the journey that you've been on, for people that might just be starting their wealth journey, and I don't just mean like 20-year-olds. I mean, people, people can be 45 and have never put any real meaningful thought into like, holy shit, what is next? From your perspective, what are some actionable kind of tips or things that they can do to kickstart their wealth journey, either, either in, uh, you know, investing or entrepreneurship, you know, what, what was some kind of actionable things that you can do? You can tell people that might help them to, to really start to make change. Having, I guess, lost a decade of my life to drugs and alcohol and, and living in that underworld, that stuff made me the person that I am. But at the same time, I do wish that I had that time back so I could use it in a different way. But, you know, a lot of my clients are, you know, in their late twenties, early thirties. And I get to transfer a lot of knowledge and information to them, both business and life to help them be better in their business, to help them be better in their life, make more money, have more freedom, whatever the hell they want. 
So I think getting mentorship and guidance is the most important thing that you can do. I've screwed up that many things in my life that my clients aren't just buying a, you know, quote unquote business program and they get all of it. And, you know, don't do that because of this, like that's a stupid idea. So I think mentorship is, is probably the number one thing. And something I've been thinking about a lot recently, I've got an online coach that I work with, you know, for my own body and, and stuff like that. And one of the things that I've really been focused on over the last little bit is compound interest. And I know you probably talk a lot about this, but I'll use it in the context that I've been thinking about it in. I'm trying to drop like maybe another 10 pounds at the moment, which is what, you know, four or five kilos, and then build some strength on top of that and, and quite a bit of muscle. If I go and I eat well, you know, for a week or two weeks or three weeks, and then I go and screw it up for a couple of days and, and get off track, I'm not just screwing it up for those two days. I'm actually two days further or four days or maybe a week behind. If I screw it up for two days and go back a week in progress, I've actually just lost an entire week. And so if you think about the compound effect of that, then, you know, the more times you do that, the more times you're holding yourself back from the stuff you already know that you want. So I've been thinking a lot about compound interest in that area. So you want to think about wealth. You want to think about business, know what you want, get the right guidance of where you're going and just continually stack the right habits and you'll get there so much faster than anyone else that, you know, is kicking around and they stop and they start. And I think that's probably the best two pieces of info that I can give in that area. Nice. Yeah. Consistency and the compound effect. Have you actually read the compound effect by um, Darren Hardy? Darren Hardy. I have, and it's sitting by my bed. I read it maybe three years ago. I don't think I really understood it the first time I read it. You know, I got it, but I didn't really get it. Just like I went to a you know workshop maybe 10 years ago on finance and they talked about compound interest and, you know, how you should start saving today and I didn't listen. So, you know, there's things we know and we don't do. And I think that book has been really good. But for me, it, it really just hit home in my fitness because I was like, you know, I'd, I'd drop some weight and then I'd put on, you know, last time I was in Australia, you know, so you kind of go back and then you lose a bit of momentum. Yeah. And it's not just those two days or that week. It's we kind of mess things up. You could, yeah, you're going to catch all the way back up again. You're constantly chasing the advancement that you've never had, you know. And, and yeah. I, I would actually echo that massively because I didn't really start to understand compounds, interests, compound. I didn't understand it until it's probably only a couple of years ago. And yeah. oh, it was my mind blew out. I literally, I literally would sit up all night. Like Gabby would wake up in the morning and I would have created these crazy spreadsheets you might look what we need to do is this and compounded this and just totally went insane with it because i re and that's the one thing that i think i really wish i understood from a young age was the compound effect you know and what that actually yeah. means okay mate awesome stuff uh, it's been obviously a, a really great conversation i think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of it you're a pretty learned man what are the most influential books or a book that you could recommend to someone right now that you're inspired by the magic of thinking big that is a that's a great read one that's kind of my, by my bed quite a lot as a man thinketh that's another great that's a classic um if you haven't read that go and buy it and buy the book and keep it they're probably a couple of books that you know have had a big impact um on me and my life for sure nice great stuff great stuff look if people are in the fitness space or want to get into the fitness space or maybe they're a pt or a gym owner or anything like that and they want to and they're inspired by your journey and they want help to grow their business and their entrepreneurial journey how can they get in touch with you 
they can go to fitgrow.com and I'm sure there is a contact form um, on the website there. So you can... <laughs> I, I, right. I, like, I like the way you're like, I'm sure there's a contact form on there. That shows also a, a very liberating disconnect with like, I don't do the website, right? There'll be something on there. Just go to the website. <laughs> yeah, the, the team manages that. But yeah, go to the website, fitgrow.com, F-I-T-G-R-O.com. Um, or you can add me on Instagram the andrew sparks t-h-e andrew sparks and um just go add me there and you know send me a dm and i'll definitely come back to you and if you like what you're hearing uh subscribe to the podcast and if you want to join a community of like-minded entrepreneurs people everyday people everyday australians and people all over the world seeking a life of freedom choice and abundance want to be part of a community where you can share with other people like that join us in the investor lab group so facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the investor lab and if you would like to speak to me or my team about investing in property and building wealth in your own life then you can head to www.dashdot.com.au reach out there or shoot us an email at hello at dashdot.com.au and of course if you have any suggestions of things that you'd like us to hear talk about in the future for future episodes let us know look forward to seeing you there bye